0: Death is a Welcome. This is All the Fuck a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These
1: are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning.
0: If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place.
1: And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective, and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether.
0: Hi Lauren. Hi Tristan. How are you? It's good to be back in this space with you. It's so good to be back.
1: I'm actually having a really great day Um, and I just had a moment like I'm very emotional like we're doing Mm. this again. We've taken a longer break than we
0: intended and it was needed, but I'm really, really glad that we're we're back. Yes, me too. We've been we've been centering radical self care. Yes,
1: <laughs> in like the biggest ways,
0: right? Truly. Um, why yeah. don't we start by doing a little check in with one another about how the last few months have been and like where we are and what we're thinking about and sitting with? Um, I would love great. to hear you start. I know you've been through a lot, um, <laughs> including a move and mm-hmm. like some uh, wonderful relationship news and like lots of other things too, both, you know, ups and downs. So I would love Mm -hmm. for you to share whatever you feel inclined to share.
1: Oh, well, yeah. So um, before we started recording, we're like, yeah, we both moved, which is nuts. Yeah. yeah. Wait, shoot. Isn't that one of the words I need to feel
0: like nuts is an list? Yes. Shoot. Okay. Learning moment for everybody else.
1: (laughs) Um, i like, what other foods? Okay. We'll say bananas. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how her, our paths have been very different, but also we've had similar transitions. You more recently with the move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I shared before we went on our break, um, I had this very scary situation with my old apartment and a pretty, um, we'll say unwell neighbor who, wasn't stopping some bad behavior. And um I ended up breaking the lease, getting out, taking some legal action to do that. Um, which ended up accelerating my partner and I moving in together. We were planning to do that this fall anyway. Uh and yeah, about two weeks ago, I ended up proposing to him. And so we're also engaged now. Yay. Um, yeah. So that's been very exciting and um also very strange. Like I it was spontaneous. Like it wasn't planned. We've been talking Mm -hmm. about it for a long time. Um, and we said to each other the other day, like, it's the fact that we moved in in may instead of October and like we're engaged now instead of maybe later this year, like Mm that still all feels exactly on time. Like it, it just, I don't think it's helpful to hear someone say it just felt right because what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know for myself, I just feel very grounded and excited and supported and, uh, know the people in our lives have been so wonderful you being one of them it was so fun to make all those calls uh before we shared it more widely so yeah i'm getting kind of used to it uh yeah uh he had a dog i had a cat so we now have two pets in one house that's interesting um i also you know as a result of everything that happened my mental health took a pretty big hit early in the summer uh, I ended up doing some intensive outpatient only for a couple weeks. It truthfully ended up not being the best fit um, the program I was in. And with the medi- medication change, I think that was really the crux of it, <laughs> it was mm. just the chemicals in my brain were not what they needed to be. Um, so, but, but that was a kind of a wake up call of like, Oh no, I really, really need to make time for, like you said, radical self-care. So, it did mean a pretty big financial hit ugh, truthfully. Um, yeah. So it was, it's been several months of just trying to rebuild um, the work I was doing. Um, it means that there's been a longer pause both with this podcast and with some other projects, but I do feel like I'm on the other side of it now. Um, my capacity for how much work I do in a day, for example, is mm. lower, yeah. but I also, I'm just feeling more energized and excited about what I'm doing again. And as always loving the people I get to work with. So um, I'm trying to think, I mean, that's a
0: lot, of you I'm curious, I'm feel like I'm forgetting you know, something. do you feel like the um, situation you had in your previous um, apartment was what kind of prompted the mental health challenges? Or do you feel like it was like a total brain chemistry thing? I mean, I know I, you probably don't know, or maybe it was both or whatever. I'm just curious. I think
1: it was, it was a combination of a lot of things. So um, the meds I was on before, I think hadn't been the right ones for a while. Okay. Um, I really started noticing after the insurrection in January, some PTSD symptoms that had been manageable that all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, I mean, it was obvious why just weren't. Yeah. Um, it also, the, the January 6th uprising had also led to um, a breakdown in my family again, which, you know, that's, this has happened several times, but this one felt harder and, hmm. um, because I had worked on the Hill. It felt very personal. It felt very scary. Um, And yeah, so that had kind of started things. And then this neighbor on top of it, I just could not cope the way that I had been. Um, And, you know, being full-time self-employed is already challenging. And it's not like you take a sick day and you get paid. (laughs) So, um, you know, then the financial hit on top of just trying to take care of myself and trying to balance that, that kind of led to even more stress and anxiety um, that just bottomed out after the move was over. Um, And thankfully, you know, Kyle is a really wonderful and supportive partner. And financially, we were together able to figure stuff out for those couple of months. Um, And, you know, he's also just he understands mental health. He works in that world. So I, I felt very well supported and it was really tricky. Um, cause my story is one of those where I've had a lot of ups and downs over the years with PTSD and depression. And it was a feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm here again. Yeah. Like really? Um, just cause of this weird neighbor and then the scary stuff in DC it's, so something I talked about with Brooke, who is now both of our business coaches. Yes. Um, shout out to Brooke. <laughs> shout out to Brooke Monahan. We'll, we'll link to her in the show um, notes. We were talking about, you know, it, it's important for me to build in to what I think my capacity will be some space for when things just are mm-hmm. tough. Because given what my body has been through, what my nervous system has been through, I'm not going to have the same bounce back necessarily as other people doesn't mean that I'm, you know, it's all over every time, but it does mean that I have to be more mindful mm. and build those systems in.
0: Wow. I didn't, you know, cause we've been staying in touch and checking in with one another over the the podcast break. Um, and I didn't like I didn't tie the two together, like the January 6th um, insurrection uh, and then your experience in your apartment with the the unwell neighbor. But now that you're talking about it, it's like, oh, of course, like, of course, Mm -hmm. your trauma history was activated with the January 6th event and you felt unsafe in your body. And then when your home life is actually feeling unsafe on top of that, it makes sense Mm -hmm. that you that everything would be a lot um, and too much, frankly. Um, So I'm just really glad that you took the space that you did. Um, It modeled something really important for me to witness too, even though I didn't fully... Recognize, I was going to need to see that in the moment. Yeah. It like helped me um, in a lot of ways. So thank you for that gift mm-hmm. and and for doing it, even though it was hard, especially with work and finances. And like, and then you moved, and then you got <laughs> engaged. And I know Kyle had a loss in in his family yes. too. And it's just, I mean, let's also acknowledge too that we're still, you know, going through the COVID pandemic. And right,
1: that little thing, you know, hard,
0: right? Um, yeah. and like every week. It's a new news event right now. I feel like the focus is on the Delta variant and Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. it's like, if it's not Afghanistan, it's something else. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot to be alive right now. Plus climate change, like, right. holy shit. <laughs> I know. And
1: I, I don't know if this has been your experience in Portland, but being here in Colorado, we had some fires last year, but I've never lived somewhere where the smoke was so yeah um, challenging to even just be outside and walk around. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it's strange too, because at the same time in these past few months with all of these tough things, like there have been so many beautiful moments too. And I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about it. Like it, it really was, um, like both the light and the dark all at the same time, sometimes in the same hour, you know, um, even with Kyle's grandma passing, you know, she, what, she was very old and had been sick for a couple months, but it was still really not what they were expecting. And it was very sad and it was this opportunity to get to know his family, especially extended family better. And they're all just wonderful people. And I learned so much about his grandparents and they had all these home movies of Kyle as a really little kid. And Mm. um, so that ended up being a blessing and getting to be out, you know, right around DC. I saw a really close friend from college who had a baby at the very beginning of COVID Mm. who I hadn't met yet. So that was all... Yeah, it's it's strange. It's very lifey. Yes.
0: <laughs> well word. said.
1: Um so that's that's about what's going on with me. Um and I'd love to to hear from you. Besides having a cute new haircut,
0: <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> well, thank you. Um can you hear the like I don't know what it is, but now there's some background noise on my end. Do you hear that? No, not at all.
1: Fantastic.
0: No, no. <laughs> um, well, I may cry, which I'm sure you're not surprised to hear. Um, totally okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and most people who listen to the podcast probably know this because I've been pretty um, vocal and transparent about what I've been going through, but yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, my summer and the time off was going along pretty like per usual. Um, And uh, on July 4th, um, well, I I learned on July 5th that on July 4th, one of my oldest and closest friends, um, you know, content warning, uh, uh, died unexpectedly from a brain aneurysm. Um, And she was 39 um, and I'd known her since we were 13. Mm. Every time I talk about her, I just like kind of fall apart. Um, I've never uh, been faced with this kind of grief before. And uh, it's just been stunning, you know? Um, so you know, when I learned on July 5th, I just like went into, I mean, I was shocked and I, I I can now realize in retrospect that it was, it was also, it was traumatic for me, um, to get this news. And I hadn't seen her since I think 2017. Um, the last time we spoke on the phone was in early COVID last year. Um, she had texted me just days before she died. Um, but you know, it was really unexpected and, uh, anyways, I could go on and on. Um, and, um, but so I went into like clear my schedule. Like I've never been so clear that like now is not the time to worry about work. Like I've never been so clear as to like, now I can cancel all my meetings. Like I had no, no reservations about it. Like immediately cleared my schedule, immediately started connecting with our shared community, which was really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of it like a really incredible group of friends um, that have all known each other for so long um and most of them are are still in california where Mm -hmm. aviva and i grew up aviva was her name so um i just immediately cleared everything and started planning to um fly down to the san francisco bay area for the funeral which is where she was buried and You know, early July, the Delta variant wasn't on our radar like it is now. And so I feel so just fucking grateful that I was able to go to the funeral. You know, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, And like, you know, of course, we did all the things. We stayed outside and
1: Mm -hmm. wore masks
0: and, you know, we're still very careful. But being able to come together with everyone who Aviva and I both love, um, I had no idea how like deeply needed that ritual is being at a funeral. I've had people, you know, grandparents die, um, and other losses of course, but this was wholly unique. Um, and she was just a fucking light in my life for at least a decade when we were younger and someone who I just really, really have loved so much. So That was July 5th um, that I got the news and nothing has been the same (laughs) since then. And I, you know, it's now we're recording this on August 18th. So it's been more than a month and a half. And I'm just really understanding the nonlinear process of grief and, you know, It was like a hundred plus degrees for several days here in Portland. And I, you know, I went to the funeral and I came home and immediately moved out of my apartment, which I have been wanting to do for years. Um, so that was a, a huge thing to have to endeavor to tackle amidst being in the grieving process. And like every box I packed, there was like another photograph that came up, um, from our past and like just so many photographs of her. So it was like, I was grieving and I was packing and I was moving and I just went into like, okay, let's just move and get this done. Cause I had to. Um, And once I fully moved, then I was just hit with depression um, which is like my go-to when circumstances become like too much. Um, And, you know, Michelle Cassandra Johnson um, we've mentioned several times, um, was, uh, wise enough to point out to me that the depression is coming up because I, I don't have enough space to, to feel and grieve and just give myself permission to be. Um, and so I've been trying to do that more, um, you know, working half days, uh, not working on the weekends. Um, last weekend I went to the coast with my partner and, uh, did a lot of like Journaling and ritual, and that felt so supportive, and I felt a little lighter. And then the day that we were heading home, I immediately felt depressed again. So it's like this, like real up and down series of you know emotions. And um, being alone sucks, and also COVID, and also I don't want to be with people. So it's like that mm-hmm. tension too. And then on top of all of this, my partner's been going through a transition as well and some grief as well, which I, you know, won't speak to now, but it's just been, it's a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like, you know, I met with Brooke, (laughs) the business coach just the other day. And I was like, you know, there were these projects I wanted to launch and I'm struggling to feel fully present in them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just really trying to honor where I am and, you know, God, it's really helped me cultivate more clear boundaries. Um, Like there was an email in my inbox for longer than a week that I didn't respond to. And that is not my style, but like, I'm just really paying attention to what I can't do, you know? Um, And that's been really helpful um, and important for me. And, you know, and there's something really special too, about recalling my friend and our memories and honoring her and like, this feeling that like, I don't want to let go of this process. Um, mm. there's a part of me that wants to just keep going back to the funeral. Like, I just want to have the funeral for like mm. five days in a row, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause that time was just so healing to be with our friends and to be like laughing and sharing memories and crying. And I just want to be in that space. Um, but life keeps going. So I'm just really trying to be with that um, and, you know, show up to teach. And like, mm-hmm. if, if I cry, I cry and, you know, some days I don't cry at all. And then, you know, the tears will come. So it's just, it's been wild, totally wild. Um, yeah. And I love that you're describing it as non-linear. Like I
1: really want to highlight underscore bull bat for anyone listening who's grieved in any way, which is pretty much everyone, us, right? No. In some way. Yeah. I mean, COVID alone. Like it's not, I you know, people talk about the stages of grief and those are very real, but they're not prescriptive. Number one, like the people who wrote it talk about how they're not prescriptive. And right. number two, they're not linear. You can go back or you can be in a couple of them at the same time. Like it's, all of it is normal. Um, all of it is okay. It doesn't mean you're, I, I don't know. Sometimes I have a tendency to be like, I'm going to do grief right. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, get like an A at grief. So I think you're, especially you being, open about what you're going through. And I know you shared the other day that you've told people when you show up to teach, like, Hey, I'm going through this big thing right now. I might not be totally here the way that I would, if this tragic thing hadn't just happened. Like, I think that's so important to model, especially right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. And I just, you know, I helped Michelle edit her, her most recent book. um, Best Yeah. I spent like half of last year immersed in essentially studying her writings on grief, you know? Um, And it was just ironic. And, you know, in one of the chapters, she writes about the sudden and unexpected loss of a very close friend of hers who was 39. Like, it was just like, the timing was so stunning and... Last weekend, I ended up reading it cover to cover uh, in one day because it was just like I couldn't get enough, even though I've already read it through like at least twice <laughs> went from an editing standpoint. <laughs> so, you know, it's just amazing to be in community with people who are both teaching so much about what it means to just like name what's happening and to be vulnerable and transparent and authentic and unapologetic. And that like showing up in these ways is counterintuitive culturally, but also so needed for not just, you know, my healing, but collective reckoning with all the things that we haven't historically reckoned with. Like Anyways, I could go on and on, but yes, it's been really empowering to, um, to say what I'm going through, um, yeah. and to fall apart. If I fall apart, you know, the first workshop I taught after it happened, um, some of my, you know, internet friends were there, which was a gift. Mm-hmm. And the minute I saw their names in the zoom chat or their faces on the screen, I just like burst into tears because having community right now and people that I care about is just like. like exactly what I need, even though I'm also like, like (laughs) I'm doing this like weird dance where I'm like, you know, don't talk to me. How come you haven't talked to me? Wait, don't talk to me. Why didn't you check in on me? Don't talk to me. Like, you know, which I feel like is just how sometimes depression shows up for me. So a hundred percent grief is a grief, depression. All of those messy things I think are
1: so, um, we'll use the word counterintuitive, but I think they're also, uh, they're in conflict. Like a lot of like what I think I want is in conflict with the other thing I think I want in those moments. Um, and, yeah, and, and you know, I think another thing about how you're describing your grief and even you know wanting to go back to the funeral, I think that speaks to how we weren't meant to carry these things alone yes. by any means. And I love I, I'm maybe two-thirds um, through finding refuge now, um Michelle's new book. And I also feel like it couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, I realize she started working on it pre-covid but yep. it's so divine that <laughs> it's really out yeah um and you know she speaks to that too and how you know we when we feel powerless or helpless or overwhelmed like letting ourselves go through the process that you're describing and just being in the grief or whatever it is like that is what helps us reconnect to purpose and power and mission, and all of that on the other yes. side, um, or even in it, I think Yeah. there's such a tendency to try to bypass that process and work. And also, you might be hearing the church bells right I now. I know, it's kind of lovely. <laughs> I, I, it is. is. So the new apartment is, you know, maybe a block from this huge cathedral. And Kyle and I, neither one of us is religious, so, you know, whatever. But, but I will say church bells are kind of beautiful. Every <laughs> hour I get this little... <laughs>
0: I have them in my new home. They, um, I hear them on Sundays at 10 45 in the morning. And uh-huh. I think the same thing, I think they're really lovely and romantic, but I, I did want to send like a, 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 warning text to friends, like who come over to visit on a Sunday morning to have a cup of coffee. Like, Hey, if you've got religious based trauma, you like just a heads up. It may not feel out. great. <laughs> yeah. Good thing. We have a content wording at
1: the top of every episode too. Like, geez, I know. um, that was shout out to Tristan for having that. Idea from the beginning. (laughs) We're gonna talk about some heavy shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also there's a quote, and I can't remember who it's attributed to, but there's something about grief is proof of how much you loved somebody or something,
0: right? That's what I keep thinking, and I have these long um voice message exchanges with my friend Megan Nicholson, who who will be on the (gasps) podcast in an upcoming episode, but we've been having these long voicemail voice note exchanges and um, may always says that if we're, if we're like over obsessing about something or like cycling about like something we said or something we did, it's because we care, right? Right. Like that is the actual like gist of what's happening. And I keep reminding myself that like this ongoing messy, nonlinear grieving process is because I just fucking loved her so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and for so long, right. so I just feel like I'm, you know, really, um, honoring her as much as I can and that there's no right way to do it. And certainly there are moments where I catch myself, like judging myself. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't cry today. I barely thought about her today or like, I didn't think about her until 10 AM, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm just really like noticing, um, mm-hmm. and, and trying to be trying to give myself grace. Um, yeah. And Which figure kind, out, too, like, what I need to show up for myself. Mm, um, yeah,
1: because you're not going to yeah. know that if you're in judgment mode or shame mode, right? Exactly. And, you know, as someone who loved you in her lifetime, like, she would want that for you. She would yes. want you to – and she would also want you to have moments where you don't feel sad and, and yes. days that are easier. And that's the way of honoring her, too, is um, celebrating, like, when you – like maybe you have a day where you don't think about it, but that means that you also had space to take care of yourself because yes. it's not as, as challenging. I, I think about that a lot with, with loss. Um, cause it, I mean, you wouldn't be Tristan Katz if you weren't hard on yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> about the way you're grieving at, at different points. Um, and, you know, that again, just like May said, like that's evidence that you care a lot and you really um, want to honor her yeah, in the ways that she deserves. And you have this beautiful altar. I know you shared that photo. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I actually did an intuitive healing session with Michelle last week um, oh. and she like, She brought in a bunch of stuff, like Uh more ritual, more ways that I can honor her. And that was just so helpful for me. Um, Mm. So you know, I just had this moment a couple of weeks ago where I was just like stuck in the depression and it wasn't shifting. And Christopher, my partner was like, Hey, maybe you need to do something for yourself. <laughs> and I was immediately like, Michelle, yeah, <laughs> will you yeah. hold space for me for an hour? Um, and I'm so glad I did that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm actually really, um,
1: glad that grief has come up in our conversation, which was inevitable given what, you've experienced, especially, but both of us in the last few months. But, you know, I think a lot about, um, like they call it eco anxiety or Mm -hmm. climate grief. And, you know, the way I'm seeing folks react to the images and video we're seeing coming out of Afghanistan, or even just reading about it, um, that, that feeling of powerlessness and helplessness also to me is connected to that. Yeah. Um, and so if it's okay, I kind of want to touch on that just for a moment. Um, Thank you. I mean, one day we're going to publish these as videos because we give each other so many signals like, yeah, go ahead and like dancing and moving and uh, which I love so much. Um, But I, I really think that, like you said, it's not in our culture to learn how to do these things or feel these things. Um, It is in our culture to go back to work the next day and grind and avoid a drink or whatever. Um, And I really I, part of reconnecting to my work with my coaching with Brooke and then taking that break for a few months and coming back now is I really feel called to help people like develop, I don't know if it's resilience, but, but just to not be so afraid of it Mm -hmm. and to normalize it. So I really hope that anyone hearing like the story that you just told, which is, you know, a personal type of grief, if, if they feel that resonating on any level, I really hope that they hold that with them as they move throughout the next few days, because I mean... I don't, I'm not someone who's ever going to say there's a purpose to suffering. I mean, some folks might have that perspective. I certainly do about certain things in my life, but I'm never going to tell someone like, yeah. oh, this is happening in order to grow you or any bullshit like that. And at the same time, I do feel like there's some kind of weird, divine, <laughs> like universal thing happening right now on every single level for us. That's like, when are you all going to wake up? Like, will you wake up now? Will you stay awake now? What, like, are you ready now to really just be with each other and feel with each other? And I mean, there's so many ways not to do that. So I'm definitely thinking a lot lately about how we can create spaces to do that. And you know, before we started recording, one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, your uh, email blast today. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how. Um, the trans inclusion workshop, the three hour, I think, version that you've been offering, you're like, I might not do this anymore. It's feeling a little box checky, um, the way that a lot of folks are approaching anti-oppression work right now. So how do we, how can we be in like the practice of showing up for each other? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I sent out a newsletter today and acknowledged to Lauren before we started recording that it felt very vulnerable for me to share because I, Mm. I didn't just share about what I'm thinking about in terms of formatting for a workshop, but I also shared a little bit about my own, um, experience of realizing that I wasn't a cisgender woman. Um, I laugh because it's like, it took me so long to even contemplate it. And the. It's not funny because that's what we're taught, right? We're taught not to question the gender assignments that we receive at birth. Um, And anyways, it was very scary for me to share some of that, even though I feel like I've talked around it on and off for the last couple of years. Um, But the thing that I've been noticing over the last, I mean, I've been noticing many things. One, as I teach more and more of the like justice focused marketing stuff, I'm noticing that my nervous system stays way more regulated. When i'm teaching that versus when i teach trans inclusion content um so that's one thing to note for myself um not to say that i'm not going to do it but like i need to be extra resourced when i do show up to teach that content um and the next thing i'm noticing is the fact that people are going through the workshops and then they go out into the world and then potentially misgender someone So Mm -hmm. there's something that's not landing. Right. Um, And it can't land in three hours. It just can't. This is a lifelong process and practice. I was just saying to somebody yesterday, I think that I, I still catch my brain assigning gendered pronouns to people who don't use gendered pronouns and who are instead using gender neutral pronouns, like they, them, like, I still catch my brain saying like, oh, that's him. And I like actively work, especially while scrolling Instagram to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, look what my brain just did. They use they pronouns, like that's them. (laughs) Like, so I know personally that this is lifelong work. Um, And I'm just trying to figure out how do I offer this in a way that can lead to a more embodied understanding that cis folks have some serious work to do, right? And that it doesn't start by just including the trans community by shifting our language or understanding that we need to share our pronouns. It has to start by questioning Each of our gender assignments and the experiences we've had around gender norms and expectations. Like, that's the work I want to prompt. But I'm not a trained psychotherapist, nor have I studied, you know, gender studies in an academic field. Not that that's necessary, but like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I hold that space um, while also still centering trans and queer individuals? So, one of the things I've been thinking about is like, maybe it's a longer form offering. Maybe it's a series, right? Like maybe we spend two hours on assumptions and agreements, which is a framework that Lauren and I both use, um, from Michelle's work yet again, we'll just keep naming <laughs> Michelle, Michelle all the Michelle, Michelle. time. You know? <laughs> um, like maybe we spend two hours on assumptions, agreements, and defining shared language, you know, and then two totally hours I do that. Right, exactly. You do that in our
1: anti-racism
0: course. I mean, you have to. But like your course is like six months, right? Right, right. And that's what I'm thinking. And then I'm like, nobody's going to sign up for a six month long thing. And tell me, Lauren, like, (laughs) you know, are people signing up for your six month Um, offering? Well-
1: As far as right now, I don't know because we are putting it on hold. We were planning to relaunch it this month um, as like a fall session, but we might only do it once a year. We're considering doing some kind of asynchronous thing Mm -hmm. because um, last year when we started it at the end of June, you know, given the timing in 2020 and the Black Lives Matter uprising and every white person – I feel like especially at that time we were targeting it toward wellness was like, Oh my God, I've been fucking up. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, and you know, Charlie was already in relationship with a ton of mostly white cis women, um, who were ready to come in and being a yoga studio owner, she had connections I didn't have. So filling the course to 30, I think we ended up actually with 35 people was amazing. Totally easy. Like, I mean, we didn't, we barely promoted it. Um, I reached out, I think personally to a couple people who ended up basically saying, fuck you, uh, (laughs) because basically there are people who I knew needed the work um, Mm. because there had been harmful shit that had gone on. Uh, Didn't like being told that anyway. (laughs) um, But aside from those couple of instances, most people were ready. This last time um, we promoted it pretty intentionally. I won't say as much as maybe um, I would if I could go back, but um, I had to do a lot of personal outreach to people. And I think we ended up with 20 folks in the course. Um, and by the way, if you were part of this last round and you're listening, like, please know that none of this is intended to shame anybody. Um, and you know, I've also heard from many of the course members this last time that they didn't show up the way that they wanted to, Mm -hmm. um, out of the 20 folks who, you know, they paid, they were in the course portal. We had, aside from the first session where a lot of people came live, um, we had maybe five to seven people, wow. sometimes even fewer. Yeah. Um, oftentimes the same couple people yeah. every time. Um, and look, life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a course where in the application, we had an application, we were clear, like, Hey, can you commit to these dates? It's once a month, two hours on a Sunday night. Um, we also included a private session. Only about five of the 20 people took advantage of Scheduling a private coaching session with us, which surprised me.
0: Yeah,
1: um, we ended up canceling some of the bonus like office hours Zooms because one or two people would show up. It just didn't feel like a good use of our time. And so, you know, a lot of things are happening. People are contending with kids at home, um, Zoom fatigue, Zoom fatigue, which I totally understand. And there's a connection there, right? To Like how, how you show up for that work is a reflection of how you show up in your life. Um, I said to one of the folks who ended up doing a private session, like, it actually sounds like you're really overcommitted. Like Mm -hmm. you sound exhausted. And so maybe taking this on right now, wasn't the best time, or maybe like there were other things you could have said no to. Cause she was even like kind of beating herself up, which isn't what I want. Right. Um, so anyway, I just talked a lot, (laughs) but no, that's that's definitely, I, I, I'm not here for box checking anymore. we'll put it that way. Um, you know I, I'm not here just to take people's money and it, and I know Charlie isn't either. I don't want to speak for her but we've had a lot of conversations about it even our private um, like organizations we're working with um, we have pre-screening calls essentially to be like are you in for the work or are you trying to check off a box to say that your nonprofit board has done this training like that's not what we're here to do. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what it looks like going forward. Um, One question I had for you was, you know, you mentioned what does it look like for me to still hold that space, even though, you know, it takes a lot more energy to do trans equity inclusion work. I'm wondering, like, have you considered, you know, maybe you being a space holder more for folks who are trans rather than the cis folks who have different work to do? Or, you know, you have some kind of asynchronous content where you don't have to actually facilitate live for this, I don't know, just. just yeah, I mean, about. that's what
0: May does in their work. Yeah. Um, you know, they're doing both the like equity piece and the education piece and the space holding for mm. members of the queer community. And I know that that lights them up and that that's yeah. like helping them to stay engaged in all of it. Um. I just haven't thought about that probably for a variety of different reasons. I mean, I still struggle with like not believing I'm trans enough. You know what I mean? And like all the internalized bullshit, um, Mm -hmm. like it literally just came up in therapy the other day. Uh, I can't remember why. Um, I mean, it, and and part of it too is like, is this space for me to take up or space for me to hold, right? Like mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, and if I'm still working through some healing around my own identity and my own expression, um, you know, am I in a position to hold space for others? And, you know, I do have meetings from time to time with folks who are in a process of changing their pronouns or considering changing their pronouns and it like just comes up naturally in the conversation and i am drawn to those conversations and they always feel supported when we have them but i haven't thought like oh tristan you could do this too you know mm-hmm. like no it hasn't crossed my mind at all i don't even know what that would look like but you know i'm going to add it to my mm-hmm. list think about it so thanks for yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean one thing
1: i work really hard to not do is create like these perfect parallels between anti-racism work and sure anti-oppression work when it comes to trans bodies yeah. and stuff like that. And there are so many common threads. Yep. Um like I know from speaking particularly with black folks in anti-oppression work like how exhausting it is to hold space for white people. Yeah. I it sounds like it's pretty exhausting to hold space for cis people as a trans person and yeah. I wonder if there's like a way that you know, you can almost set different boundaries with the way that you do it so that you're not opening your energy up so much to people who, even with the best of intentions, are going to cause harm. Totally. Um, And, and I'm not even thinking about that in terms of like, you're still figuring out your own identity or coming to whatever it's, it's more like for your own healing.
0: Yeah. For my own well-being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, May and I are cooking up a workshop that is basically, uh, yeah, I know I'm really excited about it. We were, we were starting it and then, you know, my friend died and then I was like, can't do it anymore. And so the date got (laughs) pushed and we're, we need another meeting. But the intention of the workshop is to hold a space for people who are exploring their gender um, Mm. and for people to get curious about their experience of gender. It's not specifically for queer individuals, but, you know, I imagine I'm hoping that the space will be a, a mix of people who are cis and people who aren't cis. And, you know, I listened to this podcast called Gender Reveal. I can't remember if I've mentioned that on this. No, but what a great name. Oh my God. It's Ooh. so good. It's been around for years. The host producer, Tuck Woodstock, is incredible. Um, they're actually based in Portland, Oregon, which is where I live. And th- they're, oh my God, every single episode is just a freaking gift. And Um, they recently did a little series that they called, um, Cis Day of Visibility and they got a little pushback, (laughs) of course, but like they were doing it playfully. I was going to say, it sounds like a
1: joke. Yeah. It was a total joke. (laughs) It's like white history month or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But, um, in the series, uh, they interviewed several cisgender individuals, which they don't normally do on the show. The show is almost always featuring trans or, or queer folks. and. Throughout these interviews, one of the first questions they asked was, um, in terms of gender, how do you identify? And they asked that at the top of every interview. And then for the CIS Day of Visibility series, the <laughs> next question they said was, and how do you know? Like, so every time somebody said, oh, well, I'm a CIS man or I'm a CIS woman, Tuck would follow up like, great, tell me how you know, like, give us the secret, right? Because one of the things that they're doing on that podcast is, is like, they call it gender detectiveing like they're exploring all the questions they're just like not claiming to know what's going on with gender but like it. they're just trying to figure it out and like it be in the questions around it and i just loved hearing all these cis people like and i'm going to put that in quotes like these these quotes cis people answer the question about how they know they're cis because you listen to them and it's like a lot of them it's like really that actually sounds like a very trans Response, you know, like one of the more recent ones. I can't remember the name of this individual, but um, uh, she identifies as a cis woman. She uses she/her pronouns. She's fairly famous, and she was like essentially saying, like, she doesn't want to be seen as a woman in public. She doesn't want to be read as a woman. She doesn't like being assumed to be a woman. Like all of these things, and it was like, wait a minute, that's like, are you sure you're cis? And this is like, this is the process I want to be in. Not to say that I want people to doubt themselves and their experiences. But I do want us all to be having a conversation around like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is gender? And how do we know where we are on the thing that is the spectrum of gender? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, like what, what is it that makes you, you when it comes to being a woman, you know? Um, Because I think that if we have that conversation, then we can have the deeper conversation about creating trans affirming spaces from a very different standpoint, rather than like let's include these other people, it's right. like breaking down the norms that make them othered in the first place. And I mean, to me, I took a workshop with Michelle, Terry Kelly, and Vivette Jeffries Logan last summer, or what year is it? What day is it? It was um, 2019, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it was 2020. I can't remember. And Vivette was saying like, White folks, we need to be, you need, she was speaking to us, white folks, the vet is um, native, is indigenous. Um, uh, the vet was saying, you need to do the work of, of questioning your own lineages and connecting with your ancestral rituals and figuring out who you are. Like, that will help you show up for BIPOC, right? Um And I just, I'm thinking about that, that prompt, that challenge, that line of inquiry and how we can put it into the gender lens, you know? Yeah. Like that, that's another one of those common threads with
1: racial justice and like racial reckoning. Right. And, um, I've heard Anasa Troutman, um, say a version of that too, like, she was talking about, um, plant medicine and like the tinctures that your grandma's grandma's grandma would make. Um, she's like, if you have Irish heritage, like I guarantee there was some kind of like family, um, you know, healing balm that someone would make, like quit stealing ours basically. Like, cause when, when we're as white people, like in touch with our own lineage, like you said, that's what helps us realize like how liberation is bound. Our liberation is bound. Like you said, it's not about helping those other people or even including them. Right. Like, um, the other thing that came to mind was the Ruby sales quote, inclusion implies that someone owns the table. Yes. Um, and Ruby got into this in our episode, um, with them too. And it's like, let's, not just break the table, but let's like go to the park or <laughs> like, we're just moving beyond stuff. Um, so, and I have to say, you know, I, I think I still identify as cis, but I have through my friendship with you and just how much I've learned from you and other trans folks, um, you know, it, even just the process of questioning my gender and why I, I, consider myself as this woman? Like, what is it about? Like, I, I couldn't tell you a solid answer right now. It just feels like it. Right. Uh, I don't know what else to say, but, um, it, and it's, it's also tricky. This is something when we air the episode with may, I know some people relate to, but if you have an anxious or OCD wired brain, you can also like over question it and yes. over analyze. That's not helpful. So I'm trying not to go down a rabbit hole, but still, you know, being in the questions I think is, is a really important practice for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I asked my friend, um, last week, Melissa, who, you know, she was in one of our, our shared offerings. Um, I asked her, I was like, how do you know you're a cis woman? And she said something really brilliant and concise if I remember correctly. And I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this, but I think she said something like, I don't struggle with being assigned female. Like, I've no never, okay. never felt at odds with that. Um, that's That makes a lot of sense. And I was like, oh, that, okay, maybe that's the answer. Like, it's not, um, it's like the absence of something, you know, mm-hmm. rather than like these experiences of something. It's the absence of these experiences. Um, Anyways, and maybe that doesn't resonate for all cis folks, right? Like, nobody is a freaking monolith. Um, Everybody's right. having a different experience of their identities, but- yeah. It's just anyways, like, how do we, I, I want to be in that conversation and I think it needs to be longer than three hours. of oh, a workshop. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's good stuff. Are you and Charlie, I know you're exploring what your next format is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm just curious to hear where that goes and what you two decide. Yeah.
1: So um, the answer is we don't know. Um, we are still, I think we set aside time next week to really dig into it because we've had conversations here and there, like maybe we do this, maybe we do, th- we do this, but we really need to sit down and brainstorm and have yeah. to dedicate a dedicated couple hours. Cause um, you know, it also depends on our, our own energy and part of what you're describing makes me wonder of having gone through and still be going through this huge grief mm. over Aviva, like, people change shape when something like that happens. Yes. And like what you were doing before doesn't necessarily work anymore. And, yep. um, Charlie and I have both had a really intense, it, well, I guess everyone has, uh, in 2021. So, um, even just checking in about our own capacity, especially mm-hmm. to promote something that's public, that's a lot of work. Yep. Um, cause it's not as easy as just putting it out there and having 30 people raise their hands anymore. Totally. Um, So, uh, yeah, we don't know. We're right now we're definitely, uh, putting most of our energy into creating proposals for organizations or people who approach us personally. Um, we also do some private coaching, mostly with folks who've been through our courses, um, which has been really interesting. And, and I, I also love that too, because, um, you know, as I'm listening to you, what I keep hearing is that you want relationship to be mm-hmm. at the center of everything you do, yeah. and not just a transactional thing where they come to a workshop, but a long-term thing, um, even if you know there's not money being exchanged in the future. So that's that's one thing I really love about the coaching. Like we have one client who she bought a 12 session package, and we're just mm. meeting once a month. That's that's a really Amazing. beautiful way to do this work too. Amazing, yeah. Um, and you know, I'm also trying to make space for my own work. I have a new. Um, it's, it's in like sort of the beta test round right now. So I'm not promoting it heavily, but I'm testing out like a six, it, it might turn into a 12 week, but right now it's a six week mentorship, um, called take up space where we're exploring, like using your voice and setting boundaries and giving yourself permission to move forward in the way that you feel called to. Cause we need more people doing that right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I'm, I started hosting a free, um, I'm calling it the Courage Conspirators Club every Tuesday. <laughs> Names um, are so good. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, I have to give Kyle credit for the Courage Conspirators Club because he's like, I feel like people need to hear an identity in it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Good um, for Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he's great at that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, like I I'm just kind of exploring what do I want my own offerings to look like too outside of my collaboration. So. Yeah it's a, it's a very experimental time.
0: Yeah. And it feels like a good time to relaunch the podcast with season two. Yes. Right. (laughs) I know know we've got, we've got May coming up in an upcoming episode and Asami Martins um, Mm -hmm. is also coming up and we've got a couple other people that we're planning to connect with. And we're also talking about like, doing another episode where like, I just ask you questions and you are like the central focal point um, and vice versa. And like, we kind of dig into more personal stuff um, in relationship Mm -hmm. to all of these subjects. So um, it should be should be yeah. another experimental time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I also, I went to one of Avery's online classes Aww. yesterday. So they're going to be a guest too. I don't know if we've yeah.
0: scheduled it, but um, no, I, I need to, to circle back to them. I'm so Kalapa. Kalapa. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you took a class with them. Oh. I took a workshop with them maybe a couple months ago um, and really loved it. I think they're such a gifted teacher. And then I had the amazing fortune of meeting them in person briefly when they were here in Portland. Yeah, which was just like connecting with friends who I've met on the internet is like, you know- (laughs) So one special. day we'll do it. I know one day we will. Maybe we'll at, at your my wedding. wedding I was going to say when I get married that's
1: going to be my excuse for all my internet friends to come hang out. Exactly. <laughs> in Colorado. Um yeah, but I yeah, if anyone's looking for a good Iyengar class like Avery, Avery. fucking knows their shit. I yeah. learned so much. Um and I've been teaching for a while, so I was a little yeah. like full of myself, but mm-mm.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Avery's like an expert teacher. Um yeah, they really well, are. And so I know you're you're still teaching your, um, marketing workshop, correct? I am. And I'm
0: actually doing a shorter version, um, in September with Shannon Crow, who hosts the connected Mm. yoga teachers podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm doing a three hour workshop with her platform, um, conscious marketing for yoga teachers, which I'm really excited about. I've also got like to somewhere in the midst of all the grief, I was like, I'm just going to schedule these two workshops, one for September and one for October. It was like, okay, Tristan, like way to take a break from work. <laughs> um, but there was something just calling me to like put these out there. And so I do have a trans inclusion workshop coming up that may be the last three hour one that I do. And then I'm doing what I'm calling yoga, social justice, and your marketing. Um, So it's like, You know, connected to everything I'm already doing, but it's going to be more specific on how we can bring yoga and social justice practices into our work for yoga teachers. And I'm also going to launch a group mentorship program with the same, yeah, I think it's going to be the same name and the same like core focus. And, um, I'll be sharing news about that soon, but Lauren and Lauren will be a guest facilitator. Uh, Brooke will come in and facilitate a session Rauda who's been on the podcast and is all also a dear friend, Charlie, um, Lauren's collaborator and colleague, like I'm just bringing in my people and, Um, it should be a really neat experience and space. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping to share that. I don't know. Sometime after this episode drops. So, you know, subscribe to my newsletter and all the things, LinkedIn bio, whatever. (laughs)
1: Let's, let's for sure. One thing I was thinking we should probably start doing because we're like not doing right now is having our own newsletter links in the show notes, like,
0: (laughs) We I now like actually get better at marketing ourselves when we're, say- I'm teaching about marketing. <laughs>
1: Literally, like I do so much comms work for people. I've helped people promote their own podcasts and stuff. Like, wh- how did we not? I about. know. We're both or, just
0: like, let's just put out the podcast. We love this project. Yeah. <laughs> Although,
1: you know, I kind of love that we took that approach, especially for season one and just kind of did it. Cause I don't think, I think both of us could have gotten to a situation where we overthought it yes. and just never did it. Totally. So, um, but yeah, we've also talked about how we could probably do
0: a lot more with Instagram and, yeah. um, Yeah. All that stuff. So, well, (laughs) for those of you who are (laughs) sticking along for the ride, thanks for being here. I got, we both got a lot of messages from people during our our season break, um, saying how much they enjoyed it. And I'm just really glad to know. Um, and you know, we're looking forward to the upcoming interviews and conversations and thank you for being here. And thank you, Lauren, for, Spending time with me and making it recorded. <laughs> uh thank you. Yeah, I love doing this. And
1: I was also going to say, if anyone wants to reach out, we have our email um, hooked up on our website. I think there's a contact form. Yep. And you can always DM us on Instagram. We'll probably be checking that account more. <laughs> now that I know, off, now right? that we're coming back, um, yeah. So yeah, if there are topics uh, you want to hear about, we would love to know. Or even yeah. just like what came up for you while we were talking. Definitely, yeah.
0: Okay, and we hope you're all taking really good yes. care of yourselves. Um, it's more important. Important now than ever before. So mm. do it, go do that human body, <laughs> animal thing, water, air on the skin, food, you know, movement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Maybe take a nap. Yeah. And a nap. Good, good call. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of all the fuck in. If you like what we're doing, we'd love if you'd subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review. This helps other folks find us. You can learn more at alltfinpodcast.com. That's A-L-L-T-F-I-N podcast.com. And on Instagram at alltfinpodcast or at Tristan Katz Creative or and at Lauren K. Robert. Death, I, death, I, death, death, death is a pill.